This week on the Working Mama podcast, we have Cherie Rubenstein, a corporate lawyer turned entrepreneur and founder of One Roof. I love this chat and I hope you do too. Welcome to the Working Mama podcast, a show that provides real world tips, tricks and advice to all working mamas on how they can have a career, family and hopefully one day break the glass ceiling. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Working Mama podcast. I hope you're going well and I'm so excited to bring you today's podcast. Today I'm speaking with Cherie Rubenstein, who is a corporate lawyer turned entrepreneur and the founder of One Roof. She's also a working mum and very passionate, not only about supporting women in business, but also about telling the truths and experiences about what it's like to be a working mum and all aspects that that comes with. She definitely has great experience, insights and opinions about what it means, what support we need, and we go into all of this during today's podcast. Yes, it is one of my faves and Cherie is an absolute dynamite of a person. I will profess that, yes, I am a One Roof member and it is a great community, so definitely head on over there. Those of you that aren't aware of Cherie Rumsdam, she is a corporate lawyer turned entrepreneur and the founder of One Roof. What was once Australia's leading co-working operator for women, Cherie was forced to pivot thanks to COVID and now runs One Roof as a digital membership for female leaders and entrepreneurs. In one year, they have onboarded nearly a 1,000 members across Australia, and she's known as the Queen of Community. Cherie is experienced in building businesses, raising capital, and mentoring women along their business journey. Cherie is a working mum to Goldie, who was born one week into the very first lockdown in Melbourne, and she's about to expect her second child as well in the next couple of weeks. Along with this, she's also a Telstra Business Women Award finalist, a Financial Review 100 Women of Influence, and on the board of the Victorian Women's Trust. I hope you enjoy today's chat. So settle in, grab a coffee or go for a very good walk and get ready to fist pump with all the hell yes that you're going to experience during this chat. Also, if you can, give a rating and review and a shout out on the socials across One Roof, Cherie, and also the Working Mama community. I won't waste any more of your time. Let's get into it. Welcome, Cherie. Welcome to another episode of the Working Mama podcast. I'm so excited to have you on here today. Welcome. Thank you, Karina. It's a pleasure to be here. So just jump into it. How would you best describe yourself? I am an entrepreneur, a mum. I am deeply passionate about supporting women in business and backing women and elevating women and helping women to achieve things that they never thought possible and to really breaking through stereotypes and making sure that women aren't just making sacrifices to their careers and lives just because that was done in the past or that's the unspoken way things are done. I also am really passionate and love bringing unspoken conversations that affect women to the centre stage. And I'm very, I think one of my greatest values is just being really honest and vulnerable and willing to share because I think that's what we need in this world. And the more we can do that, the more women can feel supported and not feel like we all need to show up and pretend 
can be something that we're not and pretend to have our shit together all the time when we don't and that's fine. So, yeah, big passions and big dreams to really support women and shake up status quo. Love it. And I can't wait to get into some of that, particularly around today's topic of the intersection of ambition and motherhood. So Mm. just to rewind a bit, because I know that you've actually had a really interesting career journey to date. Do you want to just share some of that? Because there's a lot of learnings as well that I know has gone into shape who you are. Sure. I started my career as in corporate law. I don't think I actually ever wanted to be a lawyer. I was just one of those kids who was ambitious and high achieving and did well. And then my parents were like, well, you know, you should really study law. And I was like, I don't know. I like writing. I'd love to write for a magazine one day. So sure, law sounds like something that could work. I really struggled when I studied law. I think I always think about my time at university is when I lost all my confidence. Like I I look back and think I was a really confident kid. And then the second I got to university, I just lost it all. I became in, you know, had a debilitating fear of public speaking, became anxious without knowing what the anxiety was and no one never spoke about it or knew what, what that was, which in hindsight, I have a lot of thoughts around kind of where that stemmed from. But yeah, I kind of just fumbled and struggled my way through and ended up working at the top tier law firm. I have, again, mixed feelings and emotions of my time there. I had a lot of fun. I met amazing people. I worked with really smart, competent people. I did great work and I learned a lot, but I also really struggled and I felt like a total fish out of water. And I really felt that the messaging that I got, I received every single day was being a young, ambitious, career-driven woman who is kind of nice and short and not really like your you know, your typical stereotype of a charismatic leader. I just thought that I can't be, and and wanting to have children, I thought that, you know, my chances of success is not the same as my male counterparts. And I really struggled with that. And that was really what led me to starting One Roof and, and stepping out into the world of entrepreneurship. I couldn't let go of that like the barriers that were were affecting and holding women back. And I just felt that I had to do something about it. And there's certainly a lot of that in so many ways. And I can't wait to get into it. When you are seeing that some of those barriers at work in, in that legal environment, and we know law is quite an old school, stereotypical industry. What do you think were some of those things that people were saying to you of, no, you can't necessarily be the same as a man and have that same success path? Or were they saying, mm. no, sorry, you you probably won't make partner because you want to be a mum? It's less overt. It's, it's much more discreet in you know how it plays out but it was conversations that I would have within and outside the firm and it's obviously not just the legal industry it's business corporate life generally so it's it's really society certainly isn't it exactly it's society but you know things like some I remember talking to a couple of women who had they'd had children gone on maternity leave came back to the firm lost their kind of path to partnership and said that they really felt like they didn't exist in the organization they just you know they were never going to make partner and so it was like they were kind of forgotten and then yeah I think just other conversations I remember having conversation around you know wanting mentors and asking if the organization could you know, place us with a mentor and they were like, oh, we don't really do that. We only do it for the senior associates and the partners. 
to just go and find your own mentors. They've probably changed that now. Everywhere's probably changed that now. But at the time, I was just like, I'm struggling. I don't, I, I'm really finding it hard to navigate my, my career and work this out. And I really need support and I'm not getting it from, you know, I mean, there were great people around me supporting me, but you know, you, your ability, especially as a grad to be overly honest with your partner or your direct kind of managers to say like, I don't know if this is right for me and what's going on. And do women actually like, where are the women? There aren't really many women, female partners and the ones in partnership kind of, more difficult to relate to than the men. So really just, yeah, the, the, the messaging from the top was also like there aren't really any women here, so it's very clearly difficult for women to progress. And then I would just see other things like women working crazy hours and not saying that they've done that and not speaking up in meetings and mansplaining and yeah. Uh, a male being paid a higher salary than a female with exactly the same. And this wasn't necessarily at the firm I was at. This was just in the corporate world and people that I was talking to, like not being paid equal, even though they're doing the same roles, not getting bonuses, even though they're doing the same thing. So, you know, men were negotiating these great salaries and bonuses and women weren't getting them and didn't know that these, this was going on. So it felt like it was just everywhere, to be honest. And I don't think it's just the legal industry either. You see, I was actually reading something the other day with a stat that was saying women in Australia are some of the most, like we're one of the most highly educated societies for women. But yeah. then there's a tipping point that once those women have children, then re-entering into the workforce, they're not supported. So unfortunately, we're actually losing these great minds into exactly. other industries or most likely as well. They've probably yeah. started their own business because 30% of women actually start their own business while they're on mat leave because they realise yeah. that corporate Australia isn't necessarily going to help them actually manage career and motherhood. And which is really sad that we've got these, these highly educated women out there but not supported by the top tier. So we can actually see more female leaders and role models like what you were saying. Yep. It's almost like we still haven't come to terms with the fact that women have babies and still want to work and we're just not like adapting our policies and systems and processes and environment quickly enough to keep up with the reality that a lot of women want to keep working, but they're going to have babies and that's okay. And like, let's talk about it and let's have conversations about it and let's support them while they're on maternity leave so that they can come back into their, into the same position and they can be promoted and, you know, like let's make it work. Yeah. We still have a long way to go. Yeah. Because it was like, you know, the, the nine to five work day was created by Henry Ford a hundred plus years ago. And yep. we've still got systems that are like set up for the 1950s where the the father will work, go to work and the mother will be at home with the kids. But now it's not that way. Women also want a career. They also want to still be a mum. But also I know even from my own personal experience, my husband still wants to be a dad. He still wants to yeah, be around for exactly. his kids. Like he saw his yeah. dad get home generally after his brothers were in, he and his brothers were in bed. So he goes, look, yep. I actually want to be around for my kids. I don't want to work those stupid hours. And the end of the day, for what? You don't have, I worked 100 hours on my tombstone. Exactly. It still actually blows my mind when I hear, and I heard it today, a friend said to me, when dads, new, dads of newborns will say that they took two or three weeks off 
you know, and then they went back to work. And I, I just can't get my head around that because, you know, obviously like my partner and I both run our own businesses. So we have an incredible amount of flexibility and we might work crazy weird hours and do whatever we can. And, you know, I would, I, and granted I've been working through the whole time I've had my first child, but the thought of my partner not being around, like taking three weeks off and then going back to work, like we, we haven't recovered from labor in three weeks. I'm like, I could still hardly move, let alone work out how to breastfeed and hold a baby and deal with everything. So I just, it actually blows my mind that people, you know, and, and that when, when they say it in a way like, oh yeah, I got three weeks, like it was good. I'm like, that's, that's insane. Oh, my husband only got, he took three weeks annual leave. So didn't even take the government because it's just too much paperwork. There was no leave from his firm and yeah, you can't, you couldn't do it. And and I actually had my second pregnancy, I was a cesarean. So I physically you couldn't really actually drive. And then with a very active two and a half year old around, it was, um yeah, it was definitely challenging. And but if he could have stayed off longer, he would have also. It's just one of those things that, the policies and, and that in his firm just weren't weren't around. But then my brother-in-law, on the other hand, he works for a, a much large, he works for a very large corporate and they allow parental leave. And so he's able to take three months off and then look after, after the children. And the bond that you see, and also I think the respect that they have for looking after children is so much more. Absolutely. There's so much more shared responsibility of the home and family environment. You know, I also think about when people say to me, like when I hear couples, friends fighting and one will say, you know, and it's often the fathers will be saying, oh, but I'm working really hard, you know, uh, oh, but I've been working all day. I'm working really hard. I get home and I'm exhausted. And all I can think to that is it is so much harder running a household and children. I'm sorry, but I go to work every single day and love it. You can go for coffees, you can read the newspaper, you can have meetings and schmooze and you know, you and go to the toilet on your own. And go exactly as many times as you want during the day. And then you've got parents at home who literally can't go to the toilet. Or going to the toilet is like or having a shower is like it's like honestly you don't even wash your hair for a week. I, it just doesn't compare. In my mind, maybe that's just me, but I'm like, that argument doesn't hold up for me. No, <laughs> so no, it doesn't up. for me either. I'm like, no, actually go to work and, and have my mm. little bit of time. That's, it's not self-care, but it's my own identity. It's it's me pre-kids because as a friend of mine told me, like one of the biggest advice she said, look, Karina, you had a relationship first. You had an identity before you had a child. So your whole life doesn't have to be about kids and, and things like that. And yeah, like my... You know, my husband, I think he's actually also seen being at home for the last two years practically. He's like, geez, yeah, it can be full on with kids and we're managing tantrums and two kids that are just both crying and you're like, oh, my goodness, work is so much easier than than managing, you know. Kids are unpredictable. Work's a little bit more predictable. Yep. And how do you manage the the ambition side of, as what you said, you're very ambitious, and how do you manage that mm-hmm. then? and equalize it, or I wouldn't say even equalize it with motherhood? It's a constant challenge for me, I would say. I am incredibly ambitious. I think I just always have been. And, you know, it used to be when you when someone asked me, what is success to you? All I could think about was building a big successful business and having lots of impact and making money and doing these big grand things. And it wasn't 
as much about lifestyle and family and, you know, granted before I had children. But yeah, I think especially with COVID the last couple of years and we, you know, we were living kind of, and working remotely, we were living in the Byron, like in, in, in the Northern Rivers area and, you know, created this kind of different lifestyle for me. I've really come to value and love a slower kind of pace. I, it's not my natural way, so I probably am constantly working at it. But success to me is so much more than just ambition now, which I think has been a really important shift in my thinking. And so, you know, I see my life as in career as long and it will ebb and flow. My ambition will always be there. Sometimes family will will take priority and things will happen and my you know, I will be going slower in my in pursuing my ambitions than usual. And I do feel that it's a little bit slower for me at the moment and I'm pregnant and we'll have an other kid and I'm sure that's going to put me in the throes of like feeling like I can't do anything for my ambition for a few months but who knows but yeah I I think I read Julia Gillard's book Women in Leadership and that really helped me put into perspective that my career is long and there will be different times of my life where career takes precedent or where family and other things take precedent and that's okay and not to be frustrated and wanting to kind of be successful and achieve everything and being matched the kind of ambition that I have right here right now I can see it as a long game and I've really had to work on seeing it that way yeah and I think it's just been also really important to see to just really focus on what I want in life and it is more than just a successful career in a business because that's all I ever used to focus on and it's still so important to me but it's like I want the freedom and flexibility to travel and move around and, you know, be with my family and enjoy those small moments of like we've had the last year being on the beach and camping and just being able to do nice things. And that is just as much success as building a successful business. Yeah, so I've definitely shifted my thinking on all of that. But my ambition just knocks on at my door all day long. It's just there. Did your change of perspective come about through motherhood or did it come just in the last, well, I suppose you had a child just at the start of COVID. So has it been almost in parallel of what we've had to deal with as a society the last 20 odd months? Yeah. Yeah. I would say it all kind of happened at once for me. So COVID hit, I had a baby one week into the first lockdown. I, it put a halt on all my business plans. So I had these big plans of building a co-working empire for women-led businesses and setting up spaces across the country and I had I had raised capital and I had investors and I had a board and I was incredibly stressed and that you know I had this like focus this is what I'm doing I'm building this great business and then once that all happened and the world stopped and COVID hit and I had Goldie and things just were slower and I started to question the business model and what I was doing and kind of made the difficult decision to return the capital to to my investors and walk away from this deal and this business essentially like that dream died yeah it that all changed me because I'd looked back and realized I was so stressed like beyond stressed I, yeah, was burnt out. I probably just wasn't coping. I was like on the edge of like holding it together. And obviously I was very pregnant at the time. And yeah, and I just don't really want to go back to that. 
And that's not to say, you know, I'm not going to have times in my life where business will be more stressful and I might raise capital again and I might have investors again and I might do all these things. But at the moment, and especially with young kids, I, it doesn't feel like it's where I want to be. I'm excited by having completely pivoted my business so that I can work on it from anywhere. I can build this scalable digital membership for entrepreneurial women that doesn't have a lot of overhead, that doesn't require a cap-like investment. I don't have a board anymore, so I'm not feeling all those pressures. So I just feel really grateful still that I'm not battling with all that stress and, and all those pressures. Yeah. So I think all of that changed me. I just went through like a really rough time and then Goldie was born. And then I feel to this day, just feel so grateful that I because of COVID, I actually had time to spend with my daughter rather than going to a co-working space every day and stressing about opening the doors and selling selling desks. And, you know, I don't even know how I would have done it. I would have, but it would have been hard. <laughs> yeah, and probably would have been more stressful and, and things like that. Also, stress rubs off on kids, and but you've definitely pivoted very successfully. So if you're listening and you haven't ch- checked out the One Roof membership, Highly recommend it. I will put a caveat. Yes, I am a member and I do love everything that comes with it. So it's definitely one of those things that, yeah, it's it's that intersection that you've had, but, you know, changed your life in so many different ways, in such a positive way as well. And if you had to talk about government policies and, and you know, organization, I'm sorry, even organization policies and even societal change, what would be some of the things, if you had a wish list to change to support working mums, what would they be? Paternity leave is exactly the same as maternity leave. Increasing, you know, the amount of leave that that parents get, making sure that when you're taking parental leave, you're also getting paid super. And like reducing the barriers. There's so many barriers of like you need to have been working with the organization for a year and you need to, you can't be on probation. And you know, all these shit things that make it like women don't want to share. Like, you know, I, I saw this recently with someone I know, she couldn't share that she was pregnant to her family and friends because she didn't want her boss to find out because she hadn't, she hadn't kind of gotten to that one, you know, gotten out of her probation period and was scared that she'd get fired if they found out because she's still in probation. It's very easy to fire someone in that, you know, to get rid of someone in that time to say they're not performing. So, and I hate that whole, this whole societal expectation or some weird thing we've created where it's like women are going through so much, pregnant, feel, you know, going through, like I've been going through terrible morning sickness, dealing with all of these things and not being able to tell anyone or, you know, then having a baby or going through miscarriages or all and not being able to tell anyone. So so I think the other thing is the cost of childcare. <laughs> like and nannies and, you know, of course at the moment it's been really hard because and I've particularly seen this in the Byron region. No one can get nannies. Like it's there's just a short I mean there's a shortage of workers everywhere so no one can get nannies the cost of childcare is just ridiculous and and so many women are constantly weighing up like I take this job and I'm earning this amount and then literally the whole thing goes to childcare in that day and it's like what what's the point and then and then I'm like well there is every point in the world because you're you know doing something other than parenting and you're pursuing your career and you know, anyway, and so I think I think that 
that's a big thing I would love to change. I guess the other biggest thing is I think the biggest issue we're constantly facing is that, you know, the, the whole the whole issue of unconscious bias that plays out. And so we we love and hire like for like, you know. And so the reality is while we still have predominantly white men in positions of leadership, they will continue to promote and support and attract and, and hire more of the people like them. And so whether that's quotas and whether that's like, I don't know, there's, I think there is something to be said for quotas I think there's issues with quotas as well but I just think we need to do more to propel the change because it's like well you know the World Economic Forum estimates it's like 200 years to achieve gender equality or something stupid like I don't know we could be living on Mars before we actually achieve that so we're just so far away uh, from really getting to that diversity and, and equality and yeah I also the other thing I think would be amazing is if companies were measured and success wasn't just about financials but was also about social environmental diversity impact and so if as consumers and stakeholders and shareholders we actually held companies accountable and they had to report on these things more and they were penalized for you know not achieving targets then I don't know it would change change things yeah, it's definitely, you know, people talk about sustainability, but there's actually three P's of sustainability, people, place and profit. And you can actually then put some really achievable targets around it. So not just the environmental components, but I know in the UK, this has even gone back a few years ago, they started reporting on sustainability across the three P's, not so much just around the environmental aspects, around also diversity targets and things. So yeah, it's really sad to see that there's more people named John in the ASX CEOs than what there are as women CEOs and the ASX. It's just, it's just crazy. But as you say, people are hiring, you know, what's familiar with them. I think even we, you know, we acknowledge men and women do network differently. We'll also support each other differently and things. So you've got some men that are definitely champions of change, but then also you've got a number of women that are banging down the door to get in, but unfortunately, um, yeah, being turned away. Yeah, money still speaks and drives our society. And so, you know, and I think, I think, yeah, what frustrates me the most is that women are still left out of circles of influence, like really influential groups, you know, it's like the Melbourne, I know the, the Australian the, club. The Australia club still very male. Yeah. yeah it's only got male yeah. only. Yeah. And they voted recently to still not let women in. And I think it just shows that, yeah, that's the world we still live in, that we're still, where it really counts, like where there's the money and the influence and the prestige, women are still, the glass ceiling is still like right there and it's not really letting us in. No, and even if you look at politics, it's um, not certainly an environment you'd want to go into as a female. Absolutely not. You know, and if, like I watched um, the Miss Unrepresented on that Annabelle Crab, and that was really interesting, yeah. really insightful. You're like, this is not a, you know, who'd go work for an organisation like this? Probably not. So, and it just shows who's going for it. But it's great to see um, with the upcoming election, the amount of independent females that are actually going to be running and hopefully stir up the pot a bit, you know, so we can actually get in there and have a better voice. Yeah. No, we've got to get in there and pave the way and deal with the shit and, you know, be willing to kind of stand up for ourselves and each other. So, which is not easy, but it's important. And I, I think about that all the time. Everything I do is not just for myself, it's for other women, you know. I'm always pushing through my own fears 
always asking for things, like trying to raise price, my prices on things, especially if I'm dealing with corporates because I'm like, I've got to do it to show up the women that they can do it too. Like we've just got to, we've got to get in there. We've got to get into the circles. We've got to knock on the doors, you know? And so, yeah. Or just like what you're doing, creating the own circle for entrepreneurial women to actually then feel that they've got their own community that can feel empowered. And I can definitely guarantee you do feel empowered by your community to actually think that you can show up and do that. So it's so important. And one thing that often is what you say, you know, can women go they look at their wage and it's all in going to childcare and, and, you know, there's so much more to it rather than just working. There's obviously the super aspects and things like that. Do you also see from women also from your own experience, experience mum guilt? And that's one of the sort of the Achilles heels at times of thinking, oh, look, you know, society's making me feel guilty for wanting both a, a career as well as be a mum. Absolutely. And I think that we, we always come back to, the expectation that women make the sacrifices, women will do the homeschooling, women will pick up the kids from daycare or school if the kids are sick, women, you know, and and that's not to say in every household. And I know, Karina, like your relationship with your husband is quite similar to myself and my partner and it's very, you know, we're on a level playing field and we share responsibilities and we're very conscious of doing it differently. But I think on the whole, yeah, the expectation is that, you know, it's on you. And so women, you know, Annabelle Crabb wrote that book years ago, The Wife Um And I loved it. It's like, yeah, women need their own wives because they're doing, they're literally, you know, it's like often people argue that feminism just meant that women were, we argued that we wanted to be in the workforce, we got in there, but then it just meant that we have to like carry the load of everything now. So we've just put, rather than just being able to be at home and do deal with domestics and yeah. family, now we've got to do it all and it's impossible to do it all all the time. So, yeah, I think those expectations and, that, and the language and conversation around it all needs to change. And the important thing is that for people who are not everyone but ones who are in heterosexual relationships with children like the woman needs to be opening up the conversation as much as the male and it's you know you're enabling the male to be able to continue just to work and not be involved with the kids if you're not if you're not letting them you're not kind of handing it over to them and I see that with friends and so there's kind of a responsibility on both parts, but it also depends on your relationship and the communication. And so, you know, your partner, if you have a partner, is a big, is important in, in this because if they're not supportive of what you're doing, and we've spoken about this a lot before, like if our partners weren't supportive of us, you know, if my partner didn't value my career and my business as much as his own, then I couldn't, I couldn't do any of this. No. I agree. And I'm the same. Like my husband is very much ever since I met him is like, right, you know, do you still want a career? I'm like, hell yes. Um, you know, I've, I've studied too long. I've worked too much just to let it all go. Um, and I, I weirdly enjoy working. I enjoy giving back to, uh, to something else. I also have my own identity before kids. I've got my own identity since kids, but it's funny. I even went to my Christmas party last year. I'm on mat leave and going back and and they're going, oh, how's the kids? And like that was the first conversation. And I'm like, it's all right. I'm still coming back. I'm still me. And I'm still got a brain that I know how to use. I just may need to dust off a few things at the start. But it's one of those things. People assume things. And, and I often will say to people, I have not done a load of washing since I don't know how, like how long. Like 
And my husband just does it all. He goes, if it was up to you, we'd never have any clean clothes. I'm the same. That's so funny. It's, yeah. But it's, as you said, it's, it's one of those things. It starts with, it starts with a conversation and it just changes from there. And even going from one child to two children, how are we going to do this? What's it going to look like? And I said very bluntly to my husband before I went back to work the first time after Matt leave, I said, I'm not doing all the drop-offs and pickups. I said, I'm not doing it. And he actually enjoys doing it this year. He's actually done 98% of like drop-off pickups. So I think he actually enjoyed doing it and having that time with our son. So it's one of those things you never know what's going to happen in the conversation until you have the conversation. And a lot of people I know, even though I was having a coffee with someone the other week, they're like, oh, I don't want to ask the husband. It's like, what happens if you have the conversation? You never know. Absolutely. So what has surprised you in becoming a mum the most? Probably that I've loved it more than I ever thought I would. I've found it hard, like really hard at times, but I guess I've never... I've never been clucky. I've never wanted to hold other people's babies. I struggle with babies. My partner thinks that he, you know, often says he was trying to convince me for a good five years to start having kids, which I always knew I wanted, but I just was focused on, you know, business and career. But yeah, just love, like it's so much fun. There's, there's a lot of fun in, and joy and it really, you know, I was a little laughing yesterday with my family because Goldie was, we were kind of on the beach and she was going from the shower to playing with these shells back to the shower to the beach and you know my brother was like you really just need to be patient and kind of just not you know expect to get anywhere fast I'm like exactly like you just enjoy the journey rather than focusing on where you need to go which we are so focused on before having kids I'm like I don't I don't need to get to the beach it doesn't matter where we go we can just enjoy She's just going to keep doing this for a while and I'll just sit here and watch her. So, yeah, just enjoying that, the journey of it. Yeah. And then what's been your biggest challenge? Uh, it's probably shifting, like recalibrating expectations on what I can do and achieve. I've Before having kids, I, I literally thought I could do anything. I'm like, you just, in my mind, it was like, if I need to do that, I just work harder. Like I just work harder and I'll get it done. I can, I was, I would say that to people. I'm like, what do you need? I can actually do anything. I really felt that way. And then since having kids, it's like, I hope I get an hour of work done. That's like a decent amount of work in a day. You know, it shifts your whole like view of time and what you can achieve and, you know, resetting those kind of to-do lists and you have days where your kids are sick and they're home or they didn't sleep or it's like just so unpredictable. And so it's been hard to, you know, be someone who's ambitious and want to achieve a lot and have to constantly recalibrate and just accept that, you know, this week I'll be sick and not a daycare and, yeah, just kind of throw everything out the window. Yeah. So how do you do it? How do you manage the juggle of running a business, being a mom, being a wife and, and everything else as well? Yeah. Well, I guess the first thing is I'm similar to you in that I love what I do. And so I, and I want to work. And so it's not a chore or a burden for me. I love it. I, you know, I, yeah. So that's something that it's like, I'm going to do whatever I can to find a way to balance it all because I just, value working and value what I do so much 
And so, yeah, I guess, it's, you know, we have childcare and then beyond that, it's the support. So sharing in roles with my partner and we're lucky that we're both entrepreneurial, running our own businesses, not kind of doing any kind of like office nine to five or eight to 10, whatever jobs. So we both can kind of, you know, if they're in unpredictable days, it's like, okay, what do you have on today? What do I have on? Let's like manage it or we can change meetings and things. Like nothing is ever, I mean, if there are sometimes urgent things, but often it's like, it's on us just to reschedule when we need to. And then support on that. I mean, it was hard the last year because we were on the go moving around a lot and didn't have family around to support. So there were times we were on our own doing things, but generally, yeah, just asking for support from family and and friends and, you know, people around. So I, I'm big on asking for help. Yeah, yep. So true, so true. And second last question, what's one thing or even a few things that you'd love to instill in Goldie, your daughter, for like when she gets of a working age and also wants to be a mum, what would you love to see that or even for her her outlook to be as well? Yeah, just I think to just go into everything with an open mind and curiosity to learn and listen to others and you know, I think, I often think like we've been conditioned to think a certain way about things. And if you open your mind to other possibilities, then you can see things differently. So like, for instance, I feel like we're always saying that labor is the hardest, worst thing you will ever go through in your life. It's hell, it's painful, it's terrible. It is the worst thing you'll ever experience. And I that I feel like I heard that my whole life. And like my mum always said, well, you know, you've got a low paid threshold. You'll need an epidural. Like from when I was young, I didn't even know what it meant. But, you know, through my own and I like after losing my first pregnancy, I did a lot of research and wanted to have a very positive pregnancy and, and birthing experience with Goldie. And yeah, completely change my thinking around labor like I it is a very difficult experience but it's not it it can be empowering and it can be positive and I've never ever heard anyone speak about it in that way so yeah I think just opening our eyes to the stereotypes and the conditioning that we've better been placed on us particularly as women yes definitely and then saying actually no we don't have to do things that way we don't have to subscribe to some like patriarchal hustle culture bullshit of uh, like you know what's like we can redefine you know we can shake up the status quo like I said at the start we can redefine like the world we want to live in and you know who we want to companies we want to buy from and what our kind of measure of success is like really I, I hope she she creates her her own measure of success that is not defined by the patriarchal system. So true. And I'm sure being your daughter, she will do exactly that. (laughs) So I really hope. Or she'll rebel. (laughs) (laughs) But she'll see what influence and positive influence her mum's making through that journey. So I'm sure she will will do it. And Sheree, what do you do to fill your cup of self-care? I love reading. So I read most nights before I go to bed. I find it a really good way to kind of wind down. 
I love walking and exercise at the moment because of where I am. I've been swimming a lot. So, you know, just having, even if it's 30, 40 minutes to myself to go for a walk or a swim, I find like I can very easily go to work. Like even at night, we put cold to bed and I can just sit down and do work. It's just like my, yeah, it's very much in my upbringing and my parents have done that. And so it's my natural way. So I find that I need things to do in order to not kind of go straight to my laptop and do work. So I love like playing card games and board games and, you know, things that I can, yeah, just take my, like focus my, my mind on things that are completely not work related. And then I love being around people. Like I love socializing and camping and lunches and dinners with friends and that I, I'm a total extrovert and I'm very energized being around people. I can hit a mass and need my own time, but generally people fill my cup. Oh, so good. So good. And where can people find more about One Roof and also connect with yourself? Yeah, so our website is weareoneroof.com and that'll explain more about the digital membership that we've created for entrepreneurial women. Um, And we'd love you to join us or reach out to us if you have questions. We've got an amazing community of like 700 plus members now, which is pretty awesome. And then we're on Instagram and Facebook also and and Twitter, weareoneroof. My email is sheree at com. I love having a chat about all these things. And I've written a blog about my pregnancy and labor with Goldie and also the first pregnancy that I lost. So, and yeah, all the things that I learned from the tools that I use. And again, I love sharing that and talking about all of that. So please reach out. And I've read both the blog and, and I think I actually reached out to you, Sheree, before I even was a One Roof member of, of reading that. So we've both um, had our own experiences with pregnancy loss, which I think could be a whole other podcast conversation in itself and get quite deep and, and that. So, but best of luck for this next pregnancy. I know probably emotionally you're not over the big hurdle yet. And uh, so best wishes for that. And we're recording this just on the 22nd of December, 2021. So hope you have a great break because you've had one hell of a successful year. And thank you so much for today's chat. I was really looking forward to it and it has definitely smashed it out of the park for me. I love chatting with you on all topics like this because I know we're very like-minded and uh, yeah, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Karina. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Working Mama podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast catch-up. I invite you also to join the Working Mama community on Facebook and join in the conversation with other like-minded working mums. Please also feel free to contact me on any of the Working Mama social channels. Remember, Mama is M-U-M-M-A or website www.workingmama.com.au. I would appreciate you to share this podcast with friends and colleagues, especially those that are parents managing the juggle. And I would really appreciate if you had to take the time out to leave a review of the podcast. I'll be giving a shout out to select people that do so. So stay listening and you might be one of them. Thank you and see you next time. Have a great week.